Welcome in and welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook. We're here, we're ready to go, and uh, we just want to welcome you in. I'm Brent Pasqua, host and founder of RPA Wealth Management, and I'm here with Matthew Thiel, certified financial planner, and Joshua Winterswike, certified financial planner. Uh, today's show is going to be a good one. I, we're going to talk about creating a personal balance sheet and why it's so important for people to have balance sheets. And I think it's one thing that so many people lack. And we'll talk about the importance of having a balance sheet and, and why it can be helpful and actually even how to create one. But before I get started, uh, have you started your holiday shopping yet? I actually haven't, Brent. Um, I've thought of a lot of ideas. So in my head, I'm already like creating a mental list. I always tell myself that I'm going to get my holiday shopping done early, um, but I actually haven't started yet. How about you? My wife has started and she's gotten a lot done, which she's amazing at doing that. I could never do that. I can't think that far ahead of things that I'm not like tasked and I'm not that <laughs> and, good at. And gifting. Yeah. <laughs> but she's got a lot done. I need to start working on her stuff and the other stuff that I need to, other gifts I need to work on. But I know with shipping delays and product delays and all of that, it's something I need to jump on really quick. Yeah, no, definitely. What about you, Matt? Um, yeah, my wife started doing some shopping. Um, I haven't really done anything yet. I'll probably, you know, save all mine and try and get overnight shipping on the 22nd or something. And hope, hopefully it works out. <laughs> You're just limited on the items you can actually buy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a procrastinator. That's the worst thing about holiday shopping though, is if you procrastinate, it just costs you so much more. Either you buy more expensive gifts or you just pay that much more to get it there in time. Yeah, I agree. And then you're just upset that everything's not like Amazon and like can get here in two days that that's free. Or if you're an Amazon Prime member, it's free. You know, you buy anything outside of Amazon, you're getting like the regular shipping cost to get it overnighted. And that's not fun. Yeah. I don't want to be outside on Christmas Eve hoping the UPS truck drives up the street. (laughs) Yeah. In your holiday sweater outside looking for the UPS guy outside. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into the hot take headlines. Uh, Facebook announced that it has changed its name to Meta. And the name change reflects the company's growing ambitions well beyond social media. The rebranding also comes after the company has dealt with a barrage of news and reports over the last few months stemming from the whistleblower Francis Hugan's trove of internal documents, which was a major story. But first of all, like, let's get into why is Facebook actually changing their name and are they changing directions of their company? Yeah, good question, Brent. So I think they're doing the rebrand. Obviously, the Facebook brand has been pretty tarnished over the last, you know, five years with the election interference and then um, this whistleblower. So it was a good time. And then changing the name to Meta, um, I think, is a a big pivot that the company is undertaking to be part of the so-called metaverse. Yeah, it comes at a great time with all of the turmoil, but um, even their time horizon for this new metaverse idea is pretty long. I mean, they don't even really have anything ready to launch right now. And it looks like, you know, this time horizon for this new metaverse um, that Facebook is trying to create is anywhere from five to 10 years before we see, you know, real production. But Really cool from a business standpoint. I mean, they're continuing to be innovative. I think that's always good too. Um, they're not just sitting on you know dollars and you know being okay with the direction of the company. They are taking that next step, and I think that that's kind of cool. Can you tell people like what the overall vision of Metaverse actually is in like a brief summary? Because I know it's it can be overcomplicated. Um, yeah, so that's a really great question. So f- first of all, the Metaverse has nothing to do with Facebook. The metaverse is this idea that we'll start living more of our digital lives online, essentially. 
and um, it's very futuristic. There's uh, books like Snow Crash or Ready Player One that kind of dive into this topic. It's been written about a lot. The crypto Web3 community is leading the metaverse charge right now. It's going to be decentralized. Um, corporations like Facebook and Microsoft are going to try and capitalize on it. But most likely, they won't be players in whatever online um, world that is built out. So you have an existence in a separate internet verse that you have things that you participate in, that you have currency in, that you have involved. You have another life in this technological world, right? And then you have your life on Earth. Yeah, and, and we, we're already kind of living in the metaverse, at least, you know, a high percentage of the population um, is, and, you know, more and more people are getting onboarded daily with uh, crypto wallets and NFTs and even um, playing video games. I don't know if that we, we haven't talked about Axie Infinity on, on this podcast, but Axie Infinity is a online video game where you could earn crypto but people in um, Asian countries, I believe actually the Philippines, are doing that as a full-time job right now and making more than they would make at factories. I think what's interesting, though, about this, too, is it's not necessarily a, a new concept. I mean, you know, they've always kind of been trying to achieve a, a second life, or there's the video game even, second life. I think just with technology, though, and the advancements with even blockchain technology, just advancements in normal technology, and you know virtual reality that it's becoming even more advanced of this web3 metaverse and you know facebook sees an opportunity there but um, it isn't necessarily a new idea no not all and that's facebook's big play is they actually own oculus that makes those goggles um, where you do get the the vr um, experience so you know that could be an area they go down um, but for the most part, the people leading the charge, the programmers in Web3 and crypto, they're all about decentralization. And Facebook is a centralized company. And I don't see them being able to really compete in, in, the, in the metaverse of what's going on. And a lot of the pieces are already being built without them. Yeah, and I think that the metaverse goes well beyond, you know, when people think about what they currently do online, social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, metaverse goes well beyond just having a couple of social media pages. I mean, that's just what we do in our everyday life. This takes it to a whole new level. The question I would have, though, is, you know, what, what is in it for Facebook? Is it just because they're participating in so much already? Yeah, so they have the social aspect, and there'll obviously be a social aspect to what gets built out in, in Web3 land or the metaverse. Um, but it, you know, at the end of the day, it's money, right? This is a, this is marketing. You're calling your company Meta. You're going to lift your stock price. You're going to make your investors happy that you know you're pivoting to you know the next best thing. Right. Um, social media is kind of dying out. Um, Facebook's pretty much just used right now by people who are over fifty. Teens aren't really using Instagram anymore. Um, teens are going to TikTok. So kind of the writing's on the wall for a lot of the products that Facebook has. Yeah, I think it's it's not going away. You know, this metaverse is going to keep evolving. So it's probably just the beginning steps of what's continuing to develop at this point. No, things are getting weird. It's, it's getting kind of sci-fi out there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get into the second one. Uh, U.S. inflation hit a 31-year high as prices rose 6.2%, fastest pace in three decades. Um, some states saw more increases than others. Why are we seeing this? We talked about that on a couple of different podcasts. But what states are seeing prices rise? the fastest. Yeah, so this is an interesting way to look at it, right? So the headline number is, oh, it's 6% inflation. Does that mean everything's going up by 6%? 
No. no. Does that mean that all the states are having prices increased by 6%? And the answer is no. Actually, some states are having their, their prices increased by 7 you know, 8 9%. And what we're seeing is really interesting is a lot of the states in the Midwest are having the largest price increase. And what's funny is those were kind of the states where it had the cheapest cost of living for a long time, where it kind of didn't match the coastal regions. And now because of inflation, that cost of living is going up in those states and it's becoming more expensive to actually live there than it was, you know, three, four five years ago. It's just not as cheap. Um, so I, I actually found that really interesting. Especially with so many people moving to those states, especially from the West Coast. I mean, we see so many clients that are moving from California to the Midwest for cost of living decreases, that being one of their primary reasons for moving. And now we're seeing inflation closing that gap. Yeah, and, and California and then the kind of eastern seaboard had the are experiencing the lowest changes in inflation right now. Yeah, it's really interesting, and it's just kind of a you know, our, the United States is so big, we sometimes even forget that, and that these inflation numbers aren't relative to you know every state. I thought what was also interesting at the this with this headline was that there were some local headlines about turkey prices being like doubled, um, but really. Year over year, they're only up 1.7% per the Labor Department data. So I want to know who's wrong there. It just depends where you're looking at. You go to Walmart, you could get uh, turkeys are selling at 69 cents a pound. Yeah, it's just different headlines, right? And it's actually probably increasing inflation even more by driving fear that turkeys are going to double in price. So we're going out there and buying them earlier, buying a couple of them. Um, and it's actually helping inflation rise in that sense. You get a 10 pound bird at Walmart for under uh, $10. I mean, who, how are you going to beat that? Maybe I should go to Walmart. I still need my turkey. Uh, how long do we anticipate inflation is going to rise for? Uh, there's no way to predict the future. I'd imagine that it um, you know, continues for for some time until at least supply bottlenecks are, are, are finished off and the wages stop rising. I mean, one of the things that no one's talking about right now is wages are rising. You go to Amazon, you're making $20 an hour and they're paying for your college. Right. And, and that's contributing to inflation. Right. And I think October was a big month. I think we all were kind of expecting inflation to kind of even taper off in like August, September. But October was, you know, also inflation was there and the numbers were even higher. So I think that, again, yeah, I think it's going to be sticking around maybe a little longer than everyone expected. Yeah. All right, well, let's get in the retirement planning corner. Uh, today, let's discuss uh, how to create your own balance sheet. And I think balance sheets are something that people can utilize no matter what age you are, what stage of your financial status is, and they can become extremely helpful. And what a balance sheet actually does is it can help you create really an inventory of your stuff, your assets, your money, your accounts, your liabilities, which to get your total net worth is assets minus liabilities. And the only really way to calculate your net worth is to really be able to have an inventory of all of your stuff. The first question I really have, though, is why is a balance sheet so extremely important? That's a great question, Brent. So a balance sheet's going to let you do quite a few different things. Um, like you said, it's inventory of your assets, right? Seeing what you own and who you own money to. The second thing is you could track your progress over time, which is pretty cool. Um, most people probably want their net worth to grow over time and improve. A balance sheet will, is kind of your scorecard to see how well you're doing. And then you could use it to make better financial decisions. Um, if, you go to, if you go for a loan, you can uh, um, send in your balance sheet. It makes the process much quicker. And it just will keep you organized financially. You'll know where all your accounts are. 
isn't it so important for someone to see after the year's over where they started at the beginning of the year to how much their net worth changed throughout the year? Absolutely. I mean, I mean it's that snapshot of your wealth and, and tracking of that wealth. And, you know, when we talk about like businesses, all businesses have balance sheets, right? That's one of the core financial statements of a when you're running a business that you're supposed to have. So personally, why wouldn't we all have one of those two, right? If we really want to understand our financial health, we need that sh- snapshot. And we also need to continue to monitor that snapshot. It's the same reason why you go to the doctor and still do your blood work every year or whatever test that, you know, that doctor is running. So very important to not only have that organization, have that awareness of your financial health and continue to track it to see where you're going. And are you even achieving the goals that you set out for? I feel like if you want to make progress financially and you want to continue to grow and better yourself financially, there's no real other way to start that than to actually know what you have and be able to track and document it all. Because if you're just coming up with it in your mind, I mean, you're just coming up with sort of a fictitious number and assuming that you're doing better than you possibly are. Yeah, you just have that mental accounting and and it's almost like you're making an excuse to put that on paper and see actually how you're doing. I think 95% of all clients, when we meet with them for the first time, and we're talking about assets and a balance sheet, I mean, they're, they're coming up with these numbers based off of memory. They don't have an actual balance sheet. And sometimes they're surprised whether, you know, it's better than they thought or worse than they thought. And, and that's just a good start to starting, you know, planning to make your financial life better. Um, but it's just really important, pretty simple idea concept and re- like a report to create for yourself, but very, very valuable in so many ways. Yeah, it's one of the first things we do as advisors is get sort of a record of all the assets and then create the balance sheet because then we could visualize what there is. Yeah, absolutely. So if someone wanted to create their own balance sheets on their own and they didn't necessarily weren't working with the advisor, how would they actually do that? So there's a couple of different ways you could do it. Um, the first, you go the old school way, right? You pull up your statements and then you get out a pen and paper and you just start writing it down. I've had clients do that for, for years. I've, you know, that's a pretty impressive way to do it, but it, it works. The other, if you're a little bit more savvy on the computer, you could try out Excel. Pretty much the same process there, right? You go and pull up your Excel document, start typing in it, list, list your accounts and the values and I don't know, maybe you put one tab for 2021, the next tab then for 2022, and then you could track it over time. There also are some third-party softwares you could pay for. Um, Mint.com kind of has one. I, I think Josh, you said Right Capital has one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, quite a few in the app store if you use your iPhone that you could pay for that will track your balance sheet for you. Um, and then as always, probably, you know, maybe one of the ones that would be a little bit smarter so you get some professional advice on your balance sheet and how to use it properly would be to hire a financial planner who's going to use state-of-the-art software, but also give you the, the tool kit that you need to use your balance sheet effectively. When I did my first one way back in the day, I did the archaic way. I just wrote down the numbers at the beginning of the year and then hoped at the end of the year that my numbers have improved. So don't feel if you're doing that, that that's necessarily the worst thing to do. At least you're tracking it. But there is now so many other state-of-the-art ways to do it that are so much better. Yeah, absolutely. So just, you know, again, listing out those assets on paper, like you said, and those liabilities to calculate that net worth. To me personally, I Excel's really good at this. I mean, Excel, I think even has some balance sheet templates in it. Um, if you're, you know, kind of just using the Microsoft tools, um, you can, you know, put in the data to even kind of 
titles everything for you. So if you don't know where to start, you know, it can help you with that. But uh, just really important. And like you said, Brent, though, I agree, pen and paper will, will still work. What are some of the assets that you want to put on a balance sheet? Can you give us some examples? Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you could start just your bank accounts, checking, savings, um, maybe if you have CDs or anything fun like that. Um, look at maybe you have a stock brokerage account. Um, the Robin Hoods are really popular um, right now, but maybe you have a Charles Schwab or a FedLD with some stock in it. You know, you want to list your employer stock options. Any 401ks, IRAs, Roth IRAs, 403Bs, 457s, any retirement account. Maybe you're a business owner. Most business owners don't know the worth of their business, so that's a whole other conversation. But you know, you'd probably write your business and then your property. Do you own land? Do you own a home? Um, do you own a commercial building? You want to track that as well. How often should they update that? Well, ideally, you'd say the you know the any accounts like a brokerage or retirement would update in real time. Right. Um, you know, the home values and stuff, those don't actually change as much as people think. So maybe on an annual basis, same with the business, maybe every couple of years. Would you recommend listing personal property on a balance sheet? So let's say like art or, you know, classic car, stuff like that. Jewelry. Uh, you can, um, if it's valuable, but if it's not, you know, that valuable, why do it? I mean, maybe if you own some really nice NFTs or some really nice artwork. Um, yeah, that's what, when I was saying art, that's what I was thinking yeah, of, you, NFTs. Yeah, I mean, you could do that. I mean, there's uh, crypto punks. They're selling for a couple hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's a significant asset, but... Baseball cards? Yeah, baseball cards, <laughs> if they're valuable. It, but I mean, the, the whole thing is for these, you got to find a buyer. So it's fine to write down a number, but if no one's willing to buy it, it's kind of useless. I think one of the neat things about the software that we utilize, though, and I have a lot of clients that use it is the financial planning software uh, sends them a report once a week and it gives them the updates of all their balance sheet and their figures. And I think that's helpful for people to also begin to track because you can make adjustments to either your spending or what you're doing financially just by being able to look at your balance sheet once a week. And you can also just quickly calculate like if you're moving money around or you're purchasing you know even an asset um, how it's going to affect your balance sheet so just effectively creating one is going to allow you to even analyze even further about kind of projecting the future so just again really valuable we talked about some of the assets that would go on a balance sheet so we know to get net worth you need assets minus the liabilities so liabilities being the debts or the things that you owe money on what are some of the liabilities um, that you would have on your balance sheet um, so liability is money owed to people. Um, so what you're going to do is put your debts on this. The first debt that most people have is some type of credit card debt. I mean, it could be revolving, um, but also, you know, sometimes you run into a situation where, um, you know, maybe you have 20, 25,000 in credit card debt. Um, you're going to want to put that on there. Also, if you own a home, you're going to want to put your home loan. If you own cars, you're going to want to put your auto loans as well. Um, and then finally, um, student loans put that as well because i mean again you owe money for that education it's a debt those are really the main four or five liabilities i don't think i missed one did i no i'm what about um so if you did list your business what if there's a like a sba loan for your business you'd list that on there yeah if you had a loan for the business you'd want to list that on there as well so just basically whatever you owe Yep. If you owe money, you're going to list it under that liabilities tab. I think you can even take it one step further and list, you know, what's short term and what's long term, short term being anywhere under like 10 or five years. And then everything long term, like a mortgage that's at 20, 30 years and break it up that way too. I think another great way uh, to increase your net worth is paying down your debts, right? It's a fast way or it could be a fat quick way to really increase what you have. 
Um, and I think that's a neat thing to track on your balance sheet is being able to watch some of your liabilities go away. Yeah, that's the fun part. I mean, getting, you know, if your goal is to be debt free and getting that to zero, or if your goal is just to be like personally debt free, meaning you got rid of the student loans, the credit cards, and seeing that all go away, you know, those red liabilities that are listed on a balance sheet, it's nice to see those go down or go to zero. Yeah, if you're not retiring, you're thinking about retirement or planning retirement. I mean, I think just in our observation of working with clients who are retired, some of uh, the people that live the most financially free in retirement are the ones that have their houses paid off. I mean, it just frees up so much cash flow. That's a good goal to kind of create. Yeah, and to be debt free and also like to get rid of a mortgage, you're, you're never really probably going to be that unhappy with that decision. Like if you paid that down. So, you know, yes, there's certain scenarios where you might need to keep the mortgage or you want to, but, you know, just from a, you know, happiness standpoint, you're not, I don't think you're going to be like upset you ever paid off your mortgage. Right. Once you have all your assets on the page and you have all your liabilities on your balance sheet, how do you find out your net worth? Um, you just add up your assets and you add up your liabilities and you subtract the two. Um, pretty simple calculation. You could do it by hand or you could use Excel or, or the software will do it for you. And then how, what are some of the best ways to improve net worth? We talked about you know, paying down some debts, but what are some other ways? Paying down debt is a really good one for a lot of people. If you see someone with a balance sheet that you know, you're kind of underwater, where you have a negative net worth, which is possible, paying down debt's probably one of your top strategies because it most likely means you have a little bit too much debt compared to how much assets you have. So you pay down the debt first, then you can start building assets. But if you don't have a ton of debt, I mean, your goal should be to grow your assets, you know? So how are you going to do that? You're going to you know, probably invest in the stock market, uh, maybe invest in some businesses. Um, you're going to want to put your money or capital to use in ways to get you a high rate of return so that your net worth grows. I think it's just really important to point out that, you know, that balance sheet's going to grow by you effectively using your cash flow right? You know, using cash flow to pay down debt, using cash flow to save money, to invest money, to purchase assets. So, you know, cash flow is very important relative to this balance sheet. Um, and I think also, Matt, you just made a really good point that we take it for granted, like net worth is always positive. But we see a lot of the like younger generation where net worth is negative because of big student loans and stuff like that. So not a bad thing, you know, but you have to be aware, right? Creating this balance sheet is going to make you aware of where that cash flow should be going to getting you to zero or to growing that net worth. Can having a balance sheet help you make investment decisions and how? Yeah, it can. Well, because when you look at it, let's say, um, you know, you look at your balance sheet and be like, okay, well, my balance sheet's pretty safe. You know, I have a couple hundred thousand cash in the bank. Um, I have retirement accounts and you know maybe there's half a million or a million in there, but I can't touch it for another 10 years. Um, so my retirement's looking like it's on track for progress, uh, but maybe I would want to make a little bit more money. Uh, maybe I could deploy some of my cash that's in the bank into you know, maybe a portfolio of stocks and bonds, or I could use half of that to do a little bit something uh, like a risky investment, like some cryptocurrency or some venture. But yeah, you should absolutely be looking at the risk of your balance sheet and making decisions that way. Yeah. And I guess then it can help lead you to possibly be just leveraging some of your assets at that point too. Yeah, you could do that. Absolutely. And, and it shows you how diversified your assets are, right? Like what assets are you overweighted or underweighted in? So, you know, again, devoting more cash flow to like the more underweighted assets. You want diversification in an investment portfolio, but you also want diversification within your balance sheet, right? So if you have too much percentage of an, one particular asset, 
that's providing more risk to your overall financial snapshot. So again, I think that it's very effective in looking at you know where you're over allocated or under allocated um, according to your your overall asset total. On the flip side too, if you have that negative net worth, you have a lot of liabilities, you probably shouldn't be taking a ton of risk on your balance sheet. You should be working on paying down those liabilities, most likely ramping up your retirement savings, getting that emergency fund built out. Um, instead of taking too much risk, like I always kind of find it funny when someone with uh, high debt loads wants to take a lot of risk. I'm like, well, that's not what really what you should be doing because you have a higher chance of losing this money that you're risking. You should use it in a productive means to maybe pay down high interest debt or start saving for your retirement. You don't want to compound that negative net worth. I mean, no, you don't want to make it worse. You just dig that hole even deeper and well, from what I'm hearing from you. And that, that's a great point. I think of all the podcast topics that we have done, I think this is ranks as one of my top just because I think it's so critical to have a balance sheet and have an idea of what's in front of you, what you have, and then how to be able to maximize making financial decisions. I think you can create so many strategies by just creating a balance sheet and having this on paper. I, I can't emphasize the importance of actually having that. I totally agree. Uh, any final thoughts on a balance sheet? No, just one thing I'll mention is uh, one thing we see a ton of, especially here in California, because it's a high, high cost uh, state, the homes are very expensive, is we see a lot of people sitting on big equity balances in their home. Using, creating a balance sheet can help you make a decision on if it's a good time to do a cash out refi or use that equity in your home in a more productive way. Because um, essentially what it's doing is just sitting there only earning whatever rate of return your home gets. Great topic, producer Matt. I, I think this one's an excellent one for today. I think so too. Great topic. Get started. Let's, uh, let's build those balance sheets. Uh, all right. Let's hit into the final segment of the show. We'll get into RPA recommends. Uh, anybody want to kick it off? I'll kick it off today. Um, this one's for the pet lovers. So um, my wife and I, we have, we have two dogs that, that we love, Memphis and Mila. And um, we like to take them on walks. And so we're always looking, you know, like they need leashes, they need harnesses, they need that kind of stuff. Um, and we found a company, it's called Wolfgang. Um, so if you just Google Wolfgang, they have great and really cool styles uh, of harnesses, leashes, um, collars on their website. And they'll probably do you know some some promos here through the holiday season. But if you're looking to upgrade your your dog's gear uh, for for the walks or their collars, check out Wolfgang. All right. Um, so I mentioned earlier things are kind of getting a little weird in the world, um, but in a good way. And I think Facebook changing its name to Meta is uh, bringing the metaverse and kind of what's going on to web three to most people if you're playing catch up google um you know nfts google web threes and just you know spend 10 to 15 minutes maybe watching some youtube videos or reading some articles podcasts po any podcasts on them are great um learn what's been getting built over the last three or four years because crypto is not just all bitcoin and ethereum and you know it's going to take over the dollar there's actually a whole new internet being built and, and it's pretty fascinating. Um, Josh and I are currently in a decentralized autonomous organization at Dow. And um, as of recording, we are bidding with a bunch of other people to buy the U.S. Constitution. And this is probably a project that you'll hear about when this podcast comes out, because it'll either be successful or unsuccessful. If it's successful, it'll go mainstream media. So um, do some research. It's pretty fascinating what people have been building over the last three to five years. So your recommend is to do research on crypto? On Web3 and NFTs um, and everything that's been happening in the past year or two, because I originally poo-pooed it. 
um, but I have since gotten really into it and getting more involved um, by the day. Um, it's where, pretty much where I'm spending my evenings now. Maybe too in the future you can give us some resources so people can check it out. Some of this read some of the stuff that you're reading and just know where to go for good information. Yeah, absolutely. A new podcast just launched Web3 Breakdowns by Patrick O'Shaughnessy. I'd, I'd suggest checking that one out. The first one is on Board Ape Yacht Club, which is a NFT project that was really successful. I'll just piggyback that with your recommendation, but I think that the spaces and the applications are just growing so fast now. I think at first when we were looking at cryptocurrency in this space, there was a lot of promises, not that much movement, um, but there's tons of movement now. Things are you know, developing and applications are being created so quickly um, and we have access to them now. So again, in that interest, that has sparked my interest. And so I'm um, looking forward to seeing if we actually purchase this constitution or not. I hope we win it. Uh, my recommend is uh, something that will hopefully make you look nice, not just in the metaverse and the virtual reality world, but make you look nice on Earth, the life that we live <laughs> here in the present. Holidays are coming. Uh, I looked on, I, I didn't realize that this was out there, but they have Banana Republic Factory and it's online and it's uh, just substantially discounted, really nice Banana Republic clothes. Uh, if you're looking for like a sweater or a new outfit for the Chris- for Christmas or Thanksgiving or the holiday time, whatever it is, uh, check it out because they got really, really good prices and Banana Republic clothes are really good quality. Something you can have for a very long time. And, you know, if you want to look nice and save a few bucks, place to do it when things are 50, 60 percent off. Yeah, you're going to look nice. My recommendation, your dog's going to look nice all while you're researching Web3. Yes. Living in a virtual reality world. <laughs> All right. Well, as we close out, as advisors, we love helping people. That's why we do it. If you'd like to schedule an appointment with any of us, uh, please go to rpawealth.com and schedule a complimentary consultation. You can also download our ebook from our website. And if you'd like the show notes, please go to retirementplanplaybook.com. As always, happy holidays and thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcasts. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.